Hello, Parkview. My name's Tim Suvel, and I'm one of the guys that speaks here from time to time. I'm glad you're here today, and I hope by the time we're done, you'll be glad you were here as well. We're in this series called Butts of the Bible, in case you're wondering, well, what's, what, what's that about? No, it's not about like the biggest jerks in the Bible or anything like that. It's, it's butt with just one T, and if you think about it, that's one little three-letter word that's got just so much power, doesn't it? I mean, your boss calls you into the office and says, you know, you're doing a great job but we're going to have to lay you off. Wow. Or you're trying to sell your house and your realtor says, oh, you know, we've had lots of showings, but no offers. Or how about this one, guys? When you ask a, a girl out, ask a woman out, and, and, and she says, oh, I think you're a great guy, but I just want to be, oh, yeah, friends. Oh, ladies, I know you're trying to just be nice, but on behalf of all men everywhere, just shoot us. Put us out of our misery. I know you're trying to be nice. Little word with a lot of power. I, I used to think this, but now I think that. I used to believe this, but now I believe that. Or think about that, that famous song. I once was lost, but... T'was blind, but... Yeah, but is a powerful word, and it can change everything. And nobody capitalized on the power of the word but like Jesus did in his teaching. Jesus had this way of teaching, and he would, he would say, he would say uh, you've heard that it was said. And then he'd quote something from the Bible. And then he'd say, but, but I say to you, and then he'd say what he had to say. And as Pastor Tim talked about last week, we've got to be really clear what Jesus was not doing here. He was not trying to, uh, he was not contradicting or changing anything God said. In fact, Jesus said this himself. He said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And when he's talking about fulfilling them, he's saying, I want you to really understand who God is and what he's about when he says the things that he says to us. And as the worship leader mentioned, this, this service today is rated PG-13. Not, not saying that to be, you know, cute or cool or anything. Just the stuff we're talking about today is stuff that needs to be talked about. And it, some of the material may not be suitable for, for, for younger audiences. So uh, you might want to take your kids to Kids Connection at this time. Because here's what we're talking about. This thing that Jesus said. He said, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, these are words that, we, that get often misunderstood. And we really need to be really clear, y'all, about what he's not saying, okay? Here's what he's not saying. When Jesus says this, he's not saying that thinking about something is the same thing as doing it. I had people say to me, oh, this, well, I, I, you thought about it, so you might as well do it. Or I thought about it, I might as well go ahead and do it. No, 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 no. Er, wrong. No, no, no. That, that's not what this is about. He's not saying that. And something else he's also not saying. When, it, when he says, looks lustfully at a woman, then he has committed adultery with her in her heart. He's not just speaking to men either. These are not just words for you know, guys who have their mind in the gutter. There's this uh, really, really great book called Every Man's Battle. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a book about every man's struggle with lust. But there's also a book called Every Woman's Battle. 
Research says, would you be surprised? The research says that one-third of all porn viewers are female. So let's not be naive here today. Let's not think, you know, that men are this way and that women are always just sitting around thinking about puppies and butterflies all, all the time, okay? This is not just a guy thing. And Jesus was also not saying when he said this that he expected his followers to be like, you know, desireless robots or something. One of the worst false teachings that's ever come down the pike is, 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 is that if you, if you really love Jesus, then, you're, then you'll never have certain thoughts or you'll never have certain feelings or desires. We've got to understand that when Jesus says what he says here, he was not being anti-sex. Jesus was not anti-sex. He, he, he talked about frequently about how men and women, in, husband and wife, were meant to become one flesh. And one flesh does not mean just holding hands at the movies. There's only one way to become one flesh. God is not anti-sex. Jesus was not anti-sex. I mean, if you, if you think about it, in the very beginning, when God made the companion, the suitable companion for the very first man, he gave her to him, and, 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 it's, and it's the, 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 they called her woman. Because when Adam saw her for the very first time, he went, whoa. Man. <laughs> Y'all are nice. But see, God invented, God invented sex. God, God thought it up, okay? So, Jesus is not, is not saying, he, he, he's, he's not saying, if you think about it, you might as well do it. No, that's not what he's saying. And he's not saying, you know, this is just to you guys. And he's not saying that he is somehow anti-sex. Here's what he is saying. He's saying, just because you, phys- you, you, you don't physically have sex with somebody you're not married to, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily keeping the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. See, in Jesus' day, people were giving themselves a whole lot of credit for just not sleeping with somebody they were not married to. And it was, it was like as long as they didn't cross that line, then they were okay with God. They're living life like God said. And I don't know that we're all that different. I mean, when I was in college and in grad school, I worked in, in student ministry for, for a number of years. And every, every, every so often we'd do something in, in uh, our student ministry where we'd talk about sex and we'd give the kids a chance, the junior highers and high schoolers, a chance to ask questions about sex, and we give them a chance to do it anonymously so they don't have to embarrass themselves. They could write it down on a, on a card and then, and then hand it in, and, and, and we would try and uh, answer it. But really, we always knew what the question was going to be. Number one question was always going to be, you know, how far is too far? You know, how far can you go with your girlfriend? How far can you go with your boyfriend before it's too far? You know, and somebody would we, we'd read that question, and then it, the room would get real quiet. And everybody would kind of lean in to hear the answer. Kind of like maybe right now. It's so easy to get caught up in the how far is too far game, whether you're a teenager or an adult. But we got to understand something. Jesus didn't play games. He wasn't about, you know, drawing a line here so you can say, well, if I'm on this side of the line, I'm fine. But if I'm on that side of the line, I'm not. But I'll, I'm here, so, I, so I'm good. He's not about drawing lines so you can justify ourselves. Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying if you really want to live life, the kind of life that God meant for you to live. Don't pretend sex is just about what you do with your body. It's just about, it's, it, it's just as much about what goes on here 
and here as what goes on, I will not point there, in church. Live in life the way God meant to live life. And, 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 and please don't forget this. I don't know what you've been told about God. I don't know what you've been heard. But Jesus made it really clear why he came. Give me John 10, 10 on the screen, please. He said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So many of us have had experience with authority figures who were trying to just, you know, just, just uh, you know, get us to conform or comply. But God is not like that. Jesus came so that we would experience life and all of life that's good at, to, to the fullest. And Jesus was saying something when he said this thing about, uh, about com- comparing lustful thoughts to adultery. He's trying to help us see that lust detracts from life. Lust detracts from life. L- lust can feel good, but it doesn't bring good. L- look what he says next. It gets, gets real serious. Listen to this. Right after he said that thing about has already committed adultery through his heart, he says this. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. <laughs> when he's talking about, about sex and lust and stuff, and he starts talking about you know, cutting off body parts and stuff. I imagine there were some guys who were hearing this the first time. They were like hyperventilating. Like, oh, no. Hey, Joe's down over here. Call 911. That had to freak people out. But no, obviously Jesus is not talking about that's the solution. He's trying to use as strong language as possible to say what lust can do to us. And notice the word that he uses. He, he, he said hell. He said hell. As... Uh, as Pastor Tim described to you last week, when Jesus says hell, he's not just talking about, you know, the bad place that people go when they refuse to trust Jesus as their, as their Savior for forgiveness of their sins after they die. It's not just that. Hell was a real place in, 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 outside of uh, the city of Jerusalem. There was this valley, and there was this place that they were familiar with that gets translated hell, but it was called Gehenna, and it was like this giant garbage dump where people would throw their trash and, and burn it, and, and there'd be stuff rotten there. They would also throw you know, animal corpses, and, and if, there was a, you know, if somebody died and they didn't have anybody to give them proper burial, you know, human corpses would get, would get thrown there, and they, they, they would rot, and it was, it was just this, this really awful garbage dump. And, and, and Jesus says, there, there is such a thing as hell. There is hell in the next life, but it's also possible to experience a kind of hell in this life. And Jesus uses this really strong, really graphic language but because he's trying to help us see how much torment and suffering lust can bring. Something happened years ago, and I'll, I'll never forget it. There was this pastor's conference. It was, a, it was uh, at, in a room about this size, and, and, but everybody in the place was, was a pastor. Everybody in there was, was clergy, and it was you know, one of those uh, uh, skill-building kind of things. And um, during, At one point during the uh, conference, the leader of the conference said, um, now we're going to have a time of prayer, and anybody who needs prayer for anything can, can come forward. And as soon as he said that, this guy just comes running down, the, just running down the aisle. And you could just hear it, that he was just weeping uncontrollably. And he was crying. He was saying, you know, somebody help me. Somebody help me. God, please help me. And, and here's what his story was. He was a pastor. And when he, was, when he was a kid, when he was a boy, he started looking at certain magazines. 
And then, and as he got older, he got looking at more and more explicit images. And it uh, got to the place to where um, even when he curtailed the behavior that he couldn't even look at a woman without thinking about what it might be like to be sexually intimate with her. And, and I remember his story because he had never actually physically done anything wrong with a girl. He'd been married for years and he, and he had never physically cheated on his wife, but he just, he just could not get away from all those images that he'd put in his mind. He just could not get away from, from all of the fantasies and scenarios that he had indulged in. And it was dominating his thought life, and it was taking a toll on his marriage, and it was making him feel like he was far from God. And the guy was just clearly, I mean, it, publicly, he was just clearly in agony because his life had become a living hell. And I, I can stand before you as a married man here today and, and say that there's few things in the world that are more fulfilling. Very few things in the world that are more fulfilling than a, than a committed for life, one man, one woman, married sexual relationship. And I, and I know that there's lots of struggles in marriage. I mean, I, I know this one couple, they've been married for like 45 years, and they were clearly just so happy and so into each other. And, and, and so somebody asked the wife, I said, you know, you guys have been married for 45 years, and it seems to be going so well. What's your secret? And she kind of smiled knowingly, and she said, well, I'll tell you what our secret is. Uh, twice a week, uh, we go out for a candlelight dinner, dancing, and then a long, slow, romantic walk home. And the person said, you've been doing that for 45 years? And she said, yeah. He goes Tuesdays, I go Saturdays. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. Few things are as, are as, as satisfying as a good sexual relationship between a husband and wife. But I also know from years and years and years of counseling both men and women that few things bring pain like a life that's become dominated by lust. And I know lust can sound like kind of an old, old-timey word, but here, here's what it means. Lust, lust means indulging in sexual desire for someone you're not married to. That's what it means. And we miss, though, if, if our response to what Jesus is saying, if, if we just say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to think about that. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to indulge in that. I'll try and do better. I mean, that might not be a bad idea, but it's not what Jesus is going for here. He's not just coming to you and saying, no, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't, don't, don't. That, that's not what he's saying. Here's what I believe Jesus would say if he were standing right here and, and he had the microphone. I, I, I think there's several things he'd say. I think the first thing he would say, here's where I believe Jesus would start. If Jesus had the microphone this morning, I think Jesus would say to you, God is for you in every area of your life. God is for you in every area of your life. In every area of your life, God is on your side. There, there's, this, there's this verse that's probably maybe the most refrigerator-magneted verse of, of all time. But give it to me on the screen there. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Look, look what it says. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
Now notice the first thing. Notice the word plans is plural, not singular. Okay? So this is not saying God has a plan for your life in general. It says He has plans for your life. He has plans for every single area of your life. And did you ever think about it that, that God has plans for your life sexually? Well, I know that sounds kind of weird to say, and I, I know I don't have time to go into all that that means. But what I want to do this morning is I hope that we can open ourselves up to the radical reality that God is not a God just of the spiritual or the moral or the ethical or the religious. God is a God of your whole life. He made you. He loves you. There's absolutely nothing about you, no part of you that He doesn't care about. It all matters to Him. I mean, maybe you're here today and, you're, and your struggle is that you're sexually active with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you're telling yourself it's okay because you're in love. Or maybe you're here today and your struggle is with same-sex attraction. Something else. Maybe your struggle here today is you're married and, and the struggle is actually that there's no attraction, that there's no sexual desire there. Whatever your situation, if you hear nothing else, please hear this. God cares about every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. And He has plans for every area of your life. And we need to start here and say, if God really has plans for my life, then, then He can be trusted with my sexuality. And if I follow Him sexually in my life, He will not let me down. See, this isn't about just you know, not sinning or, on the other hand, seeing how much you can get away with. It's about God being on your side and wanting to bless you in all things. I mean, religion says... Here's God and here's what He wants from you. Jesus says, I am God and here's what I want for you. Take just a second. Is it possible that all the negative, controlling, shaming, demeaning, guilting things that maybe somebody told you God was about aren't true. And that, yeah, God takes sin seriously, but every area of your life matters to Him. He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. The next thing I think Jesus would say is... is uh, if he had the microphone here this morning, the next thing I think he would say is something that's, that's found in one, in, in one little verse in the Bible. Give me some backstory here. This verse is from the book of 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians was written to the uh, new Christ followers at this church in a, in a city called Corinth, which is about the equivalent of modern day uh, area of modern day Greece. And the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian Christians, and they had a problem there. That, that the culture there had, had, com had completely uh, uh, combined religion and sex. Here's how it worked. There were all these temples around, and they had, uh, you could go and worship these pagan gods and goddesses, and here's what they did. They, they, you, you could pay to have money with a prostitute, and that prostitute would be considered a priest or priestess. Of that God or goddess. Interesting strategy for church growth, I guess. But so they were completely, uh, yeah, they were completely surrounded by just messed up sexual stuff. And the people who lived in the culture who were surrounded by messed up sexual stuff, 
through his spirit and through the Apostle Paul, God says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. And see, what God says to those people back then, almost 2,000 years ago, he, he says to us. Because See, we, we, we like to think that things you know, back in the good old days weren't so tough. Well, things were real tough in Corinth. They were surrounded by stuff. They were surrounded by lustful stuff that would just mess them up. And, and, and God said to them, flee from sexual immorality. And, and we have that same problem is, is going, okay, we know that there are certain lines we, should, we shouldn't cross. But how close do we come to that line? Do we... Uh, flee from sexual immorality or are we just kind of flirting with it? There's all sorts of ways to kind of flirt with sexual immorality. You know, there's certain uh, sexual innuendo in conversation with somebody at the office or at school or having conversations with somebody. Um, maybe maybe you dated them back in high school and uh, you connected with them again and through Facebook and your spouse doesn't know about it. You know, there's, there's just the whole thing of allowing ourselves to indulge in, in particular sexual thoughts and scenarios. There are all sorts of ways, folks, that we, can, that we can flirt with destructive stuff when what we need to do is flee. Flee. I like to think of it this way. Uh, back in the Old West days, there was this stagecoach company, and they needed to hire a new stagecoach driver. So the guy who was in charge of hiring stagecoach drivers took these three guys who, who wanted the job out to this one stretch of road, that you know, a dirt road, and it, and it goes, goes around this real sharp corner. On one side is, is a mountain, and then on the other side is just, just a cliff, just a chasm. And if you went over that, you know, every, everybody on board would, would, would obviously be lost. And he said, okay, guys, here's the road. Uh, l- let me see what you, what you can do. So the first guy jumps up on, on the stagecoach and goes, yeah, and just starts driving that stagecoach as fast as he could down, down that road, goes around that curve, gets about that close to the edge, just that close to the edge, you know, and uh, doesn't go over. Second guy says, oh, I can do better than that, and he goes, yeah, and he goes driving around that, and, and he gets that close to the edge. He's so close to the edge, rocks and, and dirt and stuff are just kind of uh, spilling over the side and you know, careening down into the, into the chasm there. Third guy takes a hold of the reins and goes at a regular speed and stays as far from the edge as he possibly can and just stays, stays real close to the mountain. And you know the rest of the story. You know who got hired that day. And see, my concern, I don't know most of you, but my concern for any time I have a room of, of full of people just this size, that there's folks listening right now, and you're trying to drive as close to the edge as you can without going over the cliff. And something inside is saying, oh, come on, it's not wrong, it's not, not that big a deal, but the Spirit of God is here in this place today, and the Spirit of Christ, and I believe He's saying to us, look, don't, what, are, what are you flirting with that you should be fleeing from? Jesus promises you that if you flee from that, that he tells you to flee from, your life will be better for it. See, one thing I've learned is Jesus is smart. You might want to write that one down. That's a heavy, deep thought. Jesus is smart. See, he knows. He knows that nobody... I've talked to so many people who've gotten caught up in adultery. I have never, ever once had somebody sit down in my office as a counselor and say, well, you know, I, I, was, I, I was just going along one day and I slipped and committed adultery. It's not like, it's like, like tripping over something. It's not something that just, just happens. We get there in baby steps. And like we said last week, before sin is birthed on the outside, it's, it's, it's conceived. 
on the inside. And Jesus is saying to all of us, he says, look, don't go there. You don't want to be on that path. You need to flee from that. It won't lead you where you want to go. Please do not hear the stuff Jesus says, especially about sex and sexuality. Is him just saying, okay, these are the rules and don't break the rules. This is about Jesus wanting to keep us from hellish ways of living, about things that might feel good at the time but don't, but don't bring good. Jesus has a plan for your life. He has plans for your life and it includes everything. And, and, and look at this promise. The promise is that whatever is tempting to you, there's a way out of that He gives you. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Listen, God is faithful. Please don't fall into the, the, the deception and the lie. Oh, I, 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 just, I, just, I just can't help it. There is a way out. God provides it, but He won't make us take it. He'll give us a way out, but He won't make us take it. And I'm here to urge you today, even as I, as I urge myself, flee from this stuff. Don't go anywhere near it. Marriages are on the line. Kids can be spared from growing up in broken homes. There will be the difference between people, whether people are, are abused or not. There's so much here that can make a difference in people being spared from pain and suffering. And please know that that's what Jesus is about. He's trying to bring good into our lives and protect us from stuff that won't be good at all. But one other thing I think Jesus would say if he had the mic this morning, I think he'd say to experience the kind of life that God wants for you, uh, please don't go it alone. Please have people in your life that you trust who know what's going on with you sexually. I really believe that every Christ follower needs at least two or three people, maybe not more than that, but certainly not less than that, of people who can know what's going on in their lives sexually. And I know what you're thinking. You're going, that's the last thing I want to talk about with somebody from church. Preacher boys, you better just move on. Now, now think about this. That, that pastor guy that I told you about, that conference, who's making that big confession in front of everybody, remember that guy? Okay. Before he made that big public confession of just, of just the living hell he was in, guess how many people knew what he was going through? Besides him. Zero. He had, been, he had been in that place for years and never told anybody. Nobody knew what he was dealing with. And maybe, maybe somebody knows or nobody knows. But the more secret something is, the more power that it has. And again, Jesus is smart and he knows that we all need people around us to support us and encourage us and challenge us and hold us accountable. This is why small groups are so important because it gives you an opportunity to have this context where you can make two or three friendships that where people can, you can really trust people. Look what it says in the Bible. It says in James chapter 5 verse 16, it says, confess your sins and pray for one another that you may be healed. He's not saying confess your sins to everybody. He's saying at least have some people who you can trust and go deep with and, and who will pray for you. This happened for me just a couple of weeks ago. I, 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 I go to counseling on a regular basis. I not only am a counselor, but I go to counseling. It's a good thing. It helps me a lot. And I was, I was talking to, to the counselor about, about something from my past. And, 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 and he just looked at me and said, Have you ever told anybody about that who isn't a counselor? And I said, Well, no, I'm telling you. He goes, Well, you know. I think you need to tell somebody that, that, that you trust who isn't required by law to keep their mouth shut. And I said, really? And then he goes, yeah, yeah. So I've got 
three particular friends, and, and, I, and I, call, I called one of them, and I said, I, I said, I need to tell you something that I've never told anybody before, and, I, and I'm really concerned that if I tell you about it, you know, that my stock's going to go down with you. You're going to think less of me. You won't want to, but you will if I tell you this. And uh, <laughs> he, didn't, he, he didn't say, oh, no, I won't. He just said, well, what is it? And so I told him, and it was years and years ago, but I'd never told another person. And, and, I, and I said, so, pretty bad, huh? Do you think less of me now? He didn't know we were going to have this conversation, but then it was over the phone. He, he, he lives a little ways from here. And he said, he said no, Tim, I, I actually love you more now than I did before. I love you now more because you just, you just thank you. Because you trusted me and you respected me enough to share this with me. And I had no idea you were feeling pain about that. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't love you less. I, I, I love you more. And if you ever suggest that our friendship is, is, is different because now I know this about you, I'm, I'm going I'm to kind of come up there and I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> it's the way it's supposed to be, folks. We're not meant to go it alone. As they say in the 12 steps, we're only as sick as our secrets. But like I said, in a room this size, there's, I'm sure, understandably, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. So I want to wrap this up with a, with a promise and then a prayer. And I wish you could hear these words in whatever God's actual tone of voice is. These are from the words uh, from the prophet, um, prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, verse 4. And these are, these are for you. Whoever you are and whatever you're going through, this is what he says. He says, I've never quit loving you, and I never will. So now I'll start over with you again and build you up again. Could it be true that wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whoever you are, that in this place right here, right now, God offers you a a clean start, a clean slate, a fresh start? Today, right here, right now, you can walk out of this place as spiritually pure as the driven snow. Though your sins may be as scarlet, though my sins may be as scarlet, He can wash us and make us white as snow in Jesus. Out of love for us. If you want to receive this, would would you just pray privately where you are as I pray out loud? Father, thank you that you never quit loving us. It's hard to believe, because I've certainly given you reason. But I pray for that person right now who needs to to know, who needs to feel it in their heart, that you've never quit loving them and you never will. No No matter how many times they've promised to do better and then blown it, there's always a fresh start in your grace. Father, rebuild us all. And for anybody who's gone over the cliff or is close to going over the cliff please give us the strength through your spirit to flee and help us to be that kind of community that is truly there for each other and helping us follow in your ways and experiencing the kind of life you want us to experience